Hey everyone, uh, welcome to the first episode of this brand new podcast. Uh, we're calling it Connected, and our goal is to take a look at the Web3 space, and if the events from the past few weeks have have showed us that actually a lot of the stuff that we, we see is connected, uh, and there's just so much stuff that goes on in the background that... Um, out here in the public we don't really uh, know much about. So uh, the, the goal of this podcast is going to be try to um, kind of dig in in all these things that are going on in the Web3 space to um, show how everything is connected. So uh, my name is Brian Lee, and I am joined today by my co-host, William McKenzie. Uh, so let's just do like a two-minute intro since this is the first episode. Uh, so Will, can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into crypto, uh, what you think about it, and uh, what, you, uh, what you're up to now? Yeah, I mean, we've been losing some people lately, you know, oh, after yeah. this news. <laughs> but no, I've been in crypto, I want to say since 2016. It's probably about the time you got in, Brian. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, I, you know, got in kind of the same way as everyone else. You heard about this thing called Bitcoin. I started to dive into it and it eventually landed me uh, to actually meet Brian uh, from getting into a project called Substratum, which unfortunately I was invested in. But we both uncovered some uh, harsh truths about the project and uh, later collaborated, collaborated on uh, some work within the Icon ecosystem. Um, outside of that, nowadays, I'm still in school and, you know, my kind of, I guess, day job is um, focused around the Tezos ecosystem, doing a lot of content and community related activities for Tezos. Cool, yeah. So uh, a bit about me. Like Will said, we met uh, during the Substratum days. So that was back in 2017 during the first ICO boom. No one knew what was going on back then, you know, like now, yeah. now we kind of have a better sense of like what's realistic when it comes to the technology and like how to determine if something is clearly a scam. But back in 2017, which sort of feels like a lifetime ago, but it was really only five years ago, uh, everything was a white paper. That was when everyone was trying to get in, you know, to, uh, to fund their, their project. And then you put together a white paper, get a bunch of people who don't know anything about the tech, get them excited about it, and then they start to send you money. Like, that's, that's how things worked back then. And Substratum was one of those projects uh, where I like the idea of it because it had to do with like networking and cloud stuff, which uh, I was also interested in at, at, at the time. I, I did invest in it. Uh, and luckily, I got out close to the top. I remember it was like $2.50 or something. And I was like, this is starting to get a bit weird. Because uh, I 
I started yeah, to... Yeah, you, you, uh, you beat me on that one, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> well, I kind of stuck around a little bit longer. Yeah. Like, they always say, do your own research, right? And then I actually did my own research. <laughs> and then I, I determined that it was not an idea that made sense. And I got out. And then I got a lot of fun about it. Um, you know, people sending me death threats and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it was a weird time. It was a very weird time. But after that, I uh, got more involved uh, with the Icon project. Also worked on some Tezos stuff with Will for a while. And yeah, now I'm involved with Icon and Avalanche and Ethereum as a node operator. Um, and just trying to learn more about uh building smart contracts that's kind of what i've been getting into lately so today uh we're going to be talking about a few topics uh the most uh high priority topic of course is the meltdown of ftx it's basically the only thing that people have been talking about for the past week or two so we're going to be doing that as well uh, we're going to be Diving into the timeline of exactly what transpired and giving our takes on it. So uh, before we get started with that, uh, do you have any other comments, Will? Uh, not, not really. You know, I'm excited to be doing this podcast with you and uh, hopefully it turns out well. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's get into it. So. FTX, uh, for those who don't know who FTX is or what it is, it was, should if I say it is or it was? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's probably past tense yeah, at this point. Okay. So it was a very popular crypto exchange. Uh, they did both spot markets and the futures markets as well. And I think FTX US was also involved in like stock trading. Um, so they did a variety of different markets, and uh, it was started by this guy named Sam Bankman-Fried, who previously ran a trading firm called Alameda Research, uh, based, I think they were founded in Berkeley, California, and then they have office in Hong Kong and Bahamas, you know, just this, like, vague kind of trading firm. <laughs> so... He started there, and then he eventually spun out this exchange um, called FTX, and it quickly grew into one of the biggest exchanges, um, and I think largely due to the fact that his trading firm was one of the market makers on FTX exchange, so um, they were one of the biggest market makers in the space, so when they moved to trade on a new exchange, you know, that's where the liquidity is, and the liquidity uh, then will draw traders to trade on that exchange. So FTX quickly grew and became one of the biggest exchanges in the space. Uh, and now they don't exist anymore. And it was just, you know, they, they went from supposedly completely healthy to now they're bankrupt in a period of like a week and a half. So exactly what happened. So this all started back in early November uh, when Coindesk 
got access to a private document documenting uh, the balance sheet of Alameda Research. So that's Sam Bankman-Fried's trading firm. So apparently they had $14.6 billion worth of assets as of the end of June, but it was also discovered that over $3 billion of that 14.6 was denominated in FTT, uh, which is the FTX exchange token, along with a bunch of other illiquid altcoins. Uh, so a few of those mentioned were SRM, which is the token of the Serum um, exchange, uh, MAPS, and Oxy. So MAPS and Oxy are, I guess, some kind of platform on the Solana network. I I can't say you, I you know, know what these they do. Tokens? Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say, yeah. you know these tokens are liquid when the only one that comes to my mind is Serum. Yeah, right, right, yeah. And like I feel maps, like that's the same for most people in crypto. Exactly. Like Maps and Oxy, I, I can't even pretend to yeah. know what they do. <laughs> one can assume they're on Solana. Because yeah. that's, well, Sam's blockchain. Like, uh, like Maps must be like a GPS token or something, you know? Yeah. No idea. Yeah, map map yeah. quest on the blockchain. And Oxy must be, like, it, like Oxy sounds like a drug, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So these were very illiquid tokens. Uh, we're, t we're, we're talking about like if they were actually trying to realize that $3 billion into cash by selling off FTT, Serum, Maps, Oxy, etc., uh, they probably would only be able to get a fraction of that because uh, the liquidity is not there. And I wouldn't be surprised if actually they were the biggest holders of the token and not sure who the buyers are so there's no one to realize the other side of the trade so when they say it's three billion that's basically just you know the current market price um times however many coins that they have uh, it does not mean they can actually extract three billion dollars out, out of that um and uh will so do you want to get into the next part of this? Uh, so, um, the bank run? Um, I think on what you were saying earlier, it's kind of important to extinguish, uh, you know, distinguish this now, because we actually just had some news come out on more of those figures from Sam himself. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, of the, the figure that you brought up initially, was it 14 billion? Yep. They were negative 8 billion. And liquid, semi-liquid. you know, semi-liquid. Yeah, it's interesting. What the word semi-liquid semi mean? <laughs> semi-liquid was supposedly five point five billion, and illiquid was three point five billion. So, I mean, even giving something, you know, semi and you know both illiquid, like at tops, that's nine billion. You can maybe get out. Yeah. Over the course of probably spread out through like what weeks maybe a billion two if you're lucky so man like i i kind of want to see the the framework that he used to yeah like, for how he judges something <laughs> like, what as is semi. what is yeah. semi-liquid oh man um semi-liquid means it's not liquid so you can just say it's illiquid right. 
<laughs> it sounds better. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, so November 8th, Will, what happened uh, on November 8th with this bank run? Yes. So on November 8th, uh, we saw over $6 billion in withdrawals in the span of uh, 17, 72 hours. And um, a few quotes that came from uh, Sam. There's an article if you want to pull it up. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Sam said, on an average day, we have tens of millions of dollars of net in and outflows. Things were mostly average until this weekend, a few days ago. And in the last 72 hours, we've had roughly $6 billion of net withdrawals from FTX. And kind of goes on. But some of those figures we were just talking about, uh, yeah, $6 billion gone. And there are negative $8 billion in liquid assets. You can imagine what that would do to the uh, price of the underlying asset. Oh, yeah. And thus we saw FTX completely crater. Yeah, like, the interesting thing about these exchange tokens are, like, they're, they're kind of the worst of the worst when you're talking about uh, what the purpose of them is. So as a holder of FTT or another exchange token, you know, um, Binance has one, KuCoin has one. They all of these ex exchanges have their own token, and from the perspective of a, I guess like a new investor maybe or someone who might not know as much as they should, these exchange tokens feel like you're getting a share of the exchange, which is definitely not the case, you know, because uh, all of these companies. Um, exchanges except for coinbase they're not listed on a public market so uh, you, you're not actually buying um, a share in the exchange so these exchange tokens which they're called are essentially printed by the exchange as a as a marketing tool i i think it's safe to say that uh where they say hey we have this token you know if you accumulate a certain amount and you stake it on our platform you can get something like a reduction in fees or some kind of utility like that. Yeah, uh, then you yeah. also have token burns, right, you know, stuff yeah. like that, that kind of boost price through the, I guess, the lens of there's less supply out there. Right, right. Yeah, so it's using that like supply and demand meme <laughs> mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, if... if Demand stays the same, and then we go ahead and take some of our profits, and uh, we use it to buy back the token and burn. Like that is, that is a narrative that can incentivize someone to to think like, oh, if this exchange is doing well, and I think they'll continue to do well, let me buy their token. Uh, so that's one way where you prop up the price, right? Like if you constantly have people. Who believe in your exchange they buy your token um and that doesn't prop up the price completely but it certainly helps uh and the interesting thing is that ftx can then take this ftt token and borrow against it so if they're able to prop up the price through um 
And the largest market maker on FTT, of course, I believe, is uh, Sam Bankman Fried's own trading firm. So if they're propping up the price, and then you have people who are also propping up the price, uh, it's then they can go to a different platform where they can say, "I'll deposit this amount of FTT." Let's say it like they deposit one million, and then FTT price was fifteen bucks. Then they can borrow against fifteen million dollars, and they can borrow, you know. USDT, USDC, so like an actual token where they money can printer go convert burn. to cash. Right. It's the yeah. it's it, they're just printing money now. So um these exchange tokens are often largely tied to the sentiment of the exchange. And when people were getting scared uh of what was going on 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 FTX they started to sell off FTT. What, whether that was through like actual spot selling or trading on a futures market, uh, it resulted in FTT falling 80% uh, within 24 hours. And there was this funny meme where Caroline Ellison, who is the CEO well, I guess she was the CEO of Alameda Research. Uh, she famously tweeted out that uh, so the the CEO of Binance was talking about selling FTT. Um, and then she was like, I'll buy all you have at $20, uh, which was sort of what Sam did. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it, it was funny when that happened because she got subtweeted. Yeah, by another VC uh, fund. I forget forget which one. It was somebody, and he just said, "With what money?" And then CZ commented, "You know the little I don't know." Yeah. Well, it would turn out that it was the uh, basically they were spending the money of the customers on FTX. So that's that's essentially why. The trading firm was able to accumulate so much capital because they were actually trading the deposits of the customers on FTX. But uh, anyway, she said she was she wanted to buy it all at twenty bucks, uh, which which is a great way to just paint a giant red target on your back, right? Like you're you're telling the crypto space, which is quite small in the grand scheme of like financial stuff right it's like a drop in the bucket compared to the stock market and, and all of these fx markets and stuff like you don't need a lot of capital to move markets uh and when you're saying like oh i'll buy it all at 20 dollars," you're telling people that something bad is going to happen if it goes under 20 dollars. so of course, uh, the markets responded to it, pushed through the, the $20 price point after testing it a few times, and then that set off a whole cascade of um, liquidations. And have you seen FTT price? Well, what's what's the token of the price? I, I mean, what's the price of the of F the token of the FTT price? now? <laughs> yeah, what's the token <laughs> of the price? What's the price uh, of the token? Last I checked, it was two dollars. But let me check again, and we can figure it out right now. 
Oh man, it's out of the top 100. <laughs> it's uh, ranked 209 now. It's $1.62. Jeez. So $20 down to $1.62. Um, yeah. That's an 80 or 90% drop there. So <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, so after this um, FTX withdrawal issue, uh, SBF announces that Binance is interested in buying FTX. Um, do you want to talk a bit about this, Will? Sure. Yeah, so right after all this drama, um and i and it's important to keep in mind because what wasn't there some back and forth because we haven't touched on this, on this yet brian with uh cz and uh sam there was some back and forth in, in between yeah. all this they were kind of publicly fighting yeah <laughs> and you would see them comment you know sam sam made some comment uh if we find it we can include in the notes but basically he was you know, kind of making a dig at uh, CZ. And just in between all of this, we just randomly get this announcement saying uh, that there's a transaction going on with Binance to acquire FTX.com pending some sort of due diligence. Yep. Yeah, and just, just a comment there, like, it's always so funny when these really like i guess they're rich you know these rich right crypto exchange owners like spar with each other like they never call each other out by name you know they're always so vague uh -huh. like oh oh this person uh you know this person can he even go to the states you know like obviously people know who you're talking about um just seems like a replay of high school you know or or even younger than that, you know, like guys, you're, you're adults. You can say the other person's name. That, I, I think that's the thing with crypto though. It's kind of always attracted, I guess the outcasts, <laughs> but more and more, I'm starting to think it's more of the, uh, just, I guess for lack of a better term, the weirdos, you know? Yeah. Like, like it, they just, it kind of seems like gaslighting, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like some of the stuff, like I could just, you just cannot imagine happening, I guess, in the traditional world. I know. But it just happens daily. And we just accept it, you know, as. Yeah. It's as, like, oh, well, uh, hey, man, just sell your bags. Yeah. This <laughs> yeah, is going right. on. Just sell your bags or, or hold strong. Yeah, hodl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. So what what ended up happening with this uh, acquisition here? So this acquisition devolved into CZ, I guess, conducting his due diligence and uh, turning it over. So he basically said, oh, you know, we don't want to do this. Um, there's some suspicious things going on at FTX. And around this time, that's when we kind of started hearing, I guess, the rumors of the 
size of the hole they had because it was just floating on initially. It was about a $6 billion hole, but we started to get more of a, I guess, concrete figure. And yeah, yeah. we can pull up the full thing right here. It kind of shows some of his, I guess, rationale into it. Yeah, so like, I just want to quickly talk about um, this hole that we're we're talking about, because uh, in case you don't know why there is a hole, which let's face it, like exchanges aren't supposed to have holes. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're basically supposed to take people's money, or people are supposed to put their money on the exchange. The exchange holds it; they don't do anything with it. And then when people want to get their coins off, the coins are supposed to be there. You know, they're not supposed to have moved. And um, most exchanges, well, I don't know for a fact, but like certainly regulated exchanges like Coinbase and Kraken, uh, especially in the States, they, they don't do this kind of weird stuff with... Uh, the money of their customer. So what FTX did uh, was basically they took the customer's money and funneled it to the trading firm. And then the trading firm was doing whatever they did. You know, they were uh, opening um, leveraged uh, buys and stuff on a bunch of shit, shit coins. They were doing all sorts of stuff with it, which you're not even supposed to send it to to them in the first place, uh, let let alone them uh, do doing really sketchy stuff um, with the money of the customers. So that's why this hole happened. Uh, it's because FTX didn't follow their own terms of service, which did state that you know customer coins are backed one one to one. You know they're not going to do anything with it, uh, but they they kind of went against that. Uh, so that's that's why um, this big hole was there, um, but yeah, after um, after SBF came out and said he he really made it seem like that Binance was going to buy them, right? He really, yeah, he really turned into a positive thing, you know, that this was a bad situation that's going to be made. You know, yeah, like he says, things have come full circle. Yeah, which when you read that, it feels like, oh, if Binance was one of the first uh, companies to invest in FTX, and now Sam is saying things have come full circle, you know, it that must mean that Binance is going to buy FTX soon. It also sounded like too that these talks have already been going on. You know that there was some pre preliminary discussion that was happening. Yeah. Uh, and the last quote here, of course, it says, "Note that FTX US and Binance US um, are two separate companies." And he also says, "FTX with FTX US withdrawals are and have been live is fully backed one to one and operating normally." So that's important to keep in mind here. Okay, so. FTX and, FT and FTX US are supposedly two different companies. Um, and uh, so they are two different companies. 
legally speaking, but of course, SBF oversees both of them. Um, and the important point in this tweet thread is that FTX US is not impacted by this whatsoever. So the next thing that happens is um, CZ coming out. So this was about like half a day after SBF uh, put out his tweet. Um, so CZ basically says, yeah, we're not going to buy it. <laughs> and uh, this, is a, this is a letter that was sent to um, employees of Binance, just, I guess, to give them some insight into the situation and explain why uh, Binance is not moving forward with the deal. Uh, and they're just basically saying that they did some research, they looked at FTX's books, and it's just too bad. Uh, it's, it's not happening. There's, there's no deal. So um, CZ backs out, and then Binance also makes a official announcement. Uh, and it just says the, the same thing. Um, they're not going to buy it because of mishandled customer funds and alleged U.S. agency investigations. Okay, so next, Will, uh, we have this famous apology thread. <laughs> you want to you wanna quickly dig, dig through it a bit? Sure. So we're moving on to the next day, November 10th, after Binance backs out. We uh, got SBF to come out with his, I'm sorry. That's the biggest thing thread yeah and he just basically reiterates how sorry he is for um misusing customer funds um i think the sixth tweet is interesting brian if you want to pop that one up yeah this one here yeah so he's kind of talking about his sense before. Um, I guess he's talking in the sense like there was poor communication and this is all that he knew at the time. You, uh, they had liquidity ready to deliver, um, you know, pre-bank run. It was 24 times average uh, the amount of daily withdrawals. So come bank run, uh, it was not the case, and we saw uh actually more than five billion uh in withdrawals happen, and thus we saw the price plummet. Yeah, like this, this, this whole thread was uh quite scary to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, just the the level of mismanagement that allowed for this to happen. Uh, so, so like Will said, um, before the bank run happened, uh, his, his kind of analysis or, um, his thought about how much USD they had to cover the withdrawals on a day-to-day -day basis, they thought they had enough for 24X the average amount. Uh, so, you know, if the average 
withdrawal was like a million dollars a day. Sam thought that they had $24 million there. Um, so that would be 24 times the 1 million. So that's plenty to cover the withdrawal. And it would be like you would think it would be quite, uh, it, it, it would be quite rare for that 24x buffer to actually be used. Um, but apparently, actually, what the liquidity was, was 0.8x. So they didn't have 24x, they had 0.8x, which is less than the amount that people are trying to withdraw. Uh, and it says it was actually leveraged too. Yeah, one point seven x. I don't know what exactly he's referring to there. Um, like, is he referring to like his leverage customers? or customers? Leverage? Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's a weird thing. Like, you're not supposed to be leveraging your customer funds. Um, and the tweet before that, he kind of explains why there was this. Uh, miscommunication he he chalked it up to quote a poor internal labeling of bank related accounts so a mislabeling of bank accounts caused him to mistaken his sense of the available liquidity by 24x so you you really have to question like this 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 dude for first of all, he's always he always prides himself in keeping a very small team, you know. And typically, when you're a CEO and you have a, a very small team, you're typically aware of what is happening, like much more so than the CEO of a big company with thousands of people around the world. Uh, but if you're you, if you always pride yourself on keeping a very small team, um. And effectively trying to use the skills of your people uh, without having to hire like hundreds or thousands of people, like you would think that he has a really good grasp of exactly what's happening within the company, and to just take that side of things and he you know calls out exchanges that have a lot more people. Like, what are they doing with their staff? Well, maybe they have staff to make sure the bank accounts aren't mislabeled, you know, like a poor internal labeling. That's, that's just like really, really embarrassing to me. You know? Yeah, that's, that's not a good excuse at all. But the worst part of it all too, is he keeps circling back uh, to this FTX international thing. And he is saying, um, I think it's the 19th. Uh, oh God, 19th. Okay, let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Okay, here we go. Yeah. So he, re he reiterates uh, FTX US, uh, the US-based exchange that accepts Americans, was not financially impacted by this shit show. And it's 100% liquid. Yep. Look at that, 100% liquid. Remember, FTX US yeah. is 100% liquid. Uh, he didn't, oh, and also he didn't mention anything about FTX Japan, uh, which I thought was interesting. So, do you remember there was this exchange called, actually, I don't know if you would know, but, because uh, you don't live in Japan, but there was this 
exchange called a coin q u o i n e um yeah yeah okay. no, i remember that okay so like coin uh it's was... like coin on what it's like i don't know maybe i'm pronouncing it wrong but i thought it was coin on or something well, it's it's Q U O I N E, and I think it's supposed yeah. to be pronounced coin, but it looks like quinoa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but, I, but I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and then that exchange rebranded to Liquid, so they changed their brand name, maybe because they realized no one could spell Q U O I N E. Um, right, and then so that they they rebranded to Liquid, and then uh, FTX actually bought them like last year or the year before. It was quite recent. Uh, and then rebranded to FTX Japan. Um, and then a few days ago, they were ordered by the Japanese government to shut down. So, um, well, well, that kind of falls yeah. under the international, uh, international umbrella, I guess. Maybe like, cause the, well, the interesting well, about now his FTX the, international was based in the Bahamas though. Yeah, like that's what I'm talking so, about, right? It's like so vague. Yeah. Like you don't know what FTX International means, um, right? Yeah, but like, because FTX Japan was quite strict, because um, Japan is actually quite strict with uh, the rules around this this kind of thing. So I don't know if FTX International actually includes FTX Japan, but. Uh, just as a side note, FTX Japan has uh, also been shut down. Um, and at the end of this thread, of course, he apologizes again. Um, and the other key takeaway from this thread is that uh, his trading firm will also be winding down um, trading on FTX. So at this point, um, it kind of still seems like he he's trying to make it seem like everything is okay uh i think this was before the bankruptcy announcement so uh he's he's still yeah. trying to be like yeah ftx us is 100 percent liquid it's all good uh i'm really really sorry i'll try to do better so this was kind of the vibe of this thread here and then Ryan, it almost looks like you've seen sorry so many times you mute, muted the word on twitter <laughs> I saw a tweet was muted. Oh yeah, here. Oh, okay. oh, so I actually, funny story. I muted all tweets that include the word Twitter. Because, because oh. there, because, because there were so many like, there are so many people on my feed, um, uh, who who just couldn't stop talking about like how Twitter is gonna die and they're gonna leave Twitter because Musk bought it. And I was just like, this is the stupidest thing ever. That you're you're tweeting about leaving Twitter. You know? Just just it's leave. Very ridiculous. Just leave. Yeah. If you hate it, don't tweet about Twitter. <laughs> like, why are you announcing on Twitter that you're leaving Twitter? And and then of course they, they don't leave. You know, they're still here. Um, First world problems. And I can also see a few of them actually ended up buying um the check mark for eight bucks a month so it's like you, you went from tweeting about leaving twitter to giving musk your money so uh there's capitalism for you i guess um so yeah i i i did 
I did mute all tweets that have the word Twitter. <laughs> all right. So next up, we have our good friend Justin Sun, who always Same seems day. to come out of hibernation whenever there's drama. You know, I can just imagine him like as a groundhog. Uh, he's just in the ground doing Checking his stuff, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then when there's drama, he pops up to to see how he can benefit. Uh, so. We're not going to get too much into Justin's son here because I don't think he's um, that involved, though it's crypto, so you never know. But uh, he basically worked with FTX to enable trading of Tron and Tron-related tokens. Uh, this was after deposits and stuff uh, had been uh, halted on FTX. So this is kind of like Justin's son just... Um, at least from an optics perspective, like sticking up for his token holders. Um, so this ended up causing a price spike for Tron uh, on FTX because basically when you announce that, you know, we're going to let people withdraw Tron and all other tokens are still disabled, then that's going to cause all the people who have money stuck on FTX to buy Tron. So Tron pumped up to like 60 cents on FTX while it was still like four or five cents on, on other exchanges. And it's not really an arbitrage that you can, uh, you can take advantage of. Like it might be possible for insiders to take advantage of this. Like you don't really know what Justin Sun uh, was able to do but for the majority of 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 people who trade on FTX, you know, they 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 can't buy on Binance and deposit it on FTX to sell and then uh, take advantage of that profit. So it was not like that. I think it was um, honestly just seemed like a marketing play from Justin to uh, to mit to shift himself into a good light here. What do you think? Yeah. Will? Yeah, no, it it definitely was a marketing play, and uh, on that arbitrage point, I think someone actually tried that. Uh, I saw someone tweet that they made one k USDT with two hundred dollars, and then their funds got halted. Right on FTX. <laughs> so honestly, the way it was, uh, the the way I see it, it was a lot like Justin coming in and saving, I guess, his community. And issuing a Bitfinex style debt token just for people who happen to hold TRX on FTX to be able to uh, redeem, you know, said TRX at a later time. It was more like a kind of redemption, yeah, type thing. Well, I I don't know exactly what ended up happening with this uh, with this Tron withdrawal thing because I I personally didn't have any funds on FTX and I also uh, don't hold any, don't hold any Tron. Um so maybe those people were able to, you know, convert to Tron at 10x the price and then at least withdraw that to Binance to sell to USDT or something for 10% of their money that they had on had on FTX, uh, which which might end up being a good deal like depending on how this bankruptcy stuff goes, you know, it could go on for years. 
and then at the end there's no guarantee of uh basically like how much money you're gonna get back right uh, but yeah. but i think your your point stands for the most part it definitely looked like a marketing tactic and justin yeah. just taking advantage of the situation and yeah life. he's really good at that i have to say do, do you remember the uh what, what was the big thing that he did a while back it was the the luna person thing who won a, no it was the person who won a tesla from, uh, I, I I can't think of what it is now, but it was a big deal. Well, I know that um, FTX gave a Tesla away. Yeah, it, it might have been during that. I I, I don't re- I, I, I don't recall I like it, what Justin did. No. Yeah. Maybe it was an older announcement, but yeah. he's done this several times. Comes out at seemingly the perfect time yeah well during the blow up of luna and ust he came out and basically was like now there's a new uh usdd on tron and it's better you know and he was saying oh i'll I'll, like back it with my bitcoin and blah 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 so like whenever these sorts of big blow-ups happen you know he crawls off from the woodwork and um tries to put the spotlight on himself which which is smart you know because when those things happen everyone is going to hate the person who caused it right so uh if you're justin and you come out and even do anything that can be remotely perceived as good people are going to love you for it so uh smart smart yeah yeah and at the same time, you kind of negate those people who already hate you. Right, these right. New people who are like, oh, wow. You know, that's that's awesome yeah. you did that. Oh, wow. Who's this Justin Sun guy? He's so nice. Dang. Uh, <laughs> Is he like one of the richest people in crypto or something? Yeah. All right. So next up, uh, so now we're getting into... Um, we're getting into November 12th. November 12th, yeah. Yes. Um, so Sam Bankman Freed for like what do we know him as? Like he he's come out and says like oh he's a vegan uh and he's also come out and said like he drives a Toyota Corolla or something like that. Um so he's trying to put up this facade or disguise that makes him look like you know, I don't care about wealth. I drive a Toyota oh, he, to work. Yeah. I wear t-shirts and shorts and sneakers, even when I'm supposed to be wearing a suit. You know, like, he, he tries very hard to, um, to, to make it look like, you know, he's a builder. You know, he, do, he, he doesn't care about the money. He's here to build. But at the same time, he has a $35 million penthouse. Uh, so it... <laughs> It turns out he had this penthouse, um, luxury penthouse in the Bahamas, and he lived there with his inner circle of FTX employees. Uh, A few people who were mentioned were uh, Caroline Ellison, who was, again, the CEO of 
Alameda Research. Uh, a few people were there. Um, some guy named Gary Wang, CTO of FTX, uh, who was also like, he apparently was on like the 30 richest, like the, the 30 under 30 richest people list, apparently. Like, uh, yeah. something like that. It's interesting yeah. you say that. I saw someone uh talking about gary wang and that was one of the first things that threw them off from ftx they had gary wang listed as well, whatever role he had with ftx yeah apparently he was listed at a fairly well-known company with just a picture of him uh not even facing a computer screen it's like he was just literally facing a computer screen uh screen backwards yeah, so, I I was surprised that like I've never heard of this guy. Um yeah. and he's supposed to be like this super rich dude in crypto. Um so it sounds there's... like an alias. <laughs> Could be. And then uh FTX director of engineering Nishad uh Singh. Hope I'm saying that right. So basically these like high level executives of FTX were all living in this penthouse. Uh, $35 million penthouse. And they were also all romantically involved with each other at some point. So, like, you know, I'm cool with the idea of, you know, like a startup, you know, like 10, 10 people, let's all live in the same house and just build all day. But where it got weird for me was... <laughs> When when uh, it says all of the employees have dated each other at some point, <laughs> it's just like I can't imagine working in a in a house. Well, like even if it's a huge luxury penthouse, you know, like working in the same space with like a few of my exes and also a few people who dated my exes and maybe like also the person who's who has dated the person i'm dating now you know it, it it's just weird uh do you think it's weird will or am i or am i the weird one here no no it's definitely not weird and i mean just as a general rule of thumb i think everyone has kind of that same rule or i would hope you know that you don't really do any dating in the workplace but the fact that this was rampant <laughs> and it was like the only thing going on is what really makes you go. Yeah. Well, you know, and WTF. like, was it a workplace though, Will? Like, when I think of workplace, I think of an office yeah. building. This was a yeah. penthouse this a in the luxury. Bahamas. <laughs> yeah. So there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to picture like what. Just all these people. I guess just looking at a laptop in a $35 million penthouse with a BTC address with like $5 billion in it. Well, who knows how much was actually in it at that point. Yeah, well, just, but, just imagine a day in the life working at FTX penthouse. You know, you wake up, you're in this like very quite re remote country. You know, the views are great. You're in a $35 million penthouse that you have no idea who paid for and and then, chilling on the beach yeah and you wake up you see sam you know he's 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 a vegan but uh 
Even though he was pictured with, with eggs, eggs right. in his fridge. Yes. But have we confirmed those? Like, are those his eggs? We'll never know. Like, it could have we'll been have to get Gary Wang's eggs, it. right? Like, maybe yeah. Gary Wang eats eggs. We don't know. Uh, but it, it's just so, like, when I think about Coinbase or when I think about, um, like, Kraken. So Kraken is, like, uh, one of the more... Re remote companies so people typically work from home uh, and then you have coinbase uh which um i don't know if they're mostly remote now but i know at some point that they had people going into the office you know like an actual office and just when you hear like ftx was being run out of a 35 million dollar penthouse it's 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 just like not not a good look like it's 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 weird um so what happens after this like the the whole penthouse thing you know it's not really perhaps not really like like the cause of all of this stuff that happened but it just gives you some insight into who these people were and kind of how they thought and these people yeah. were in control of your funds right or Basically yeah. chilling on the beach in a $30 million penthouse, yeah. <laughs> making out with each other, right? and doing God knows what else. Exactly. Also, it's in the Bahamas. You know, it's uh, historically a part of the world that has um, less strict rules when it comes to these things. Uh, and, and just the fact that they chose to move there while at the same time, SBF was like appearing in front of Congress in the states to talk about like how how the space needs to be overseen, you know, by the authorities. It's sort of like like why? Like if you believe in the regulatory aspect so much, why did you move? your company to a place that like is historically very lax with these kind kind of rules it's just like just so many red flags you know and i wish that we all had been paying more attention <laughs> when um all these things were happening honestly who could have really seen this coming up ah, until right Maybe it's, if you were really, I guess, digging hard, maybe a month before. But right. he, he was just painted as, like you were saying earlier, he was definitely painted as this, I guess, vegan nerd who's just smashing the markets. And yeah. he, he went on hard with that persona. Like he had this one interview. I think he was, you know, basically painting himself as this philanthropic uh, billionaire. Yep. You know, he's made all this money and he lives so modestly driving a Corolla, as you yep. mentioned. And yeah, we find out he actually had a house, a penthouse, and used customer funds. Exactly. Well, now we know how so, he bought that penthouse, right? Uh, exactly. And like, I I think you're dead on with the, um, with the appearance kind of thing like i i don't actually believe he's you know down-to-earth guy who's uh 
who's cool with living cheaply and that stuff. You know, I I thought that was all an act. And actually, uh, in the article that was released by Vox today, like he actually talks about how a lot of what he did was an act. So like it's it's all no way. coming out. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get into that later on this episode or perhaps the next one. Um but yeah, he basically de uh, he sent a direct message to one of the people at Vox and just like aired his whole story out. And like he was talking about like how he was just trying to pretend to be woke and all this other stuff. It was just all fake, apparently. Um, a master yeah. manipulator. <laughs> yeah. So what's next here? Uh, on November 12th, uh, SBF files for voluntary bankruptcy. Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the U.S. So remember when we said earlier or when Sam Bankman-Fried said FTX US was 100% liquid, no issues with withdrawals, uh, you know, completely separate from FTX International. Well, if that was the case, it's like, why is FTX US also going under? Uh, so once again, he, oh my God, this, <laughs> this, this meme here. Uh, okay. Sam Bankman Fried is on top of the entire crypto space doing some uh, gross action here. Uh, okay, some so, quality <laughs> crypto content right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I follow this guy too. He's pretty funny. I don't know who he is though. Um, oh, he's paying for Twitter Blue. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so he says again, you know, I'm filing for bankruptcy. I'm really sorry again that we ended up here. Hopefully things can find a way to recover. And then he's like, this doesn't necessarily have to mean the end for the companies. Um, and then he basically announces also that um, Ray, uh, Mr. Ray, so that's referring to the new CEO of FTX. Uh, and he was also the person who was put in charge of Enron after they went yes. bankrupt. <laughs> the same guy gets put in charge of FTX. It's just like... I just can't believe this is like the real world, right? Um, and also, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, you should change your Twitter profile. It still says CEO of FTX official. And I don't believe <laughs> think, that's uh, true anymore. I think John would be upset by that. Yeah. Yeah, someone should tell John Ray. Um, so after that, there's some like news stories that are talking about uh I don't know if this was actually true. Uh, there were so many random stories that were popping around, but Autism Sam Capital, yeah, on Twitter was um posting a lot of, I guess, leaks. Yeah, you know, sightings, uh flights and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, there were some people trying to track his private jet, you know, like Again, you know, he's supposed to be the I wear my t-shirt and shorts to work guy. I drive a, a, a Toyota, but I also happen to have a penthouse and a private jet. Uh, makes sense. So 
Apparently, uh, they were under supervision by the local authorities. Who knows what that means for rich people like them? Um, and I guess he was looking to flee to Dubai, perhaps because of extradition rules or stuff like that. But I don't know if if he ever made it out. Um, I don't think so because someone posted a picture of SBF at a supermarket today. Um, still wearing an FTX shirt, by by the way. Uh, hey man, that's just like every hardworking <laughs> individual, you know, in a movie. Yeah, at a right. Trading firm or what have you, you know, right. still sporting the company outfit. Exactly. He's he still believes in the mission. So he's, then, he's still he's still repping it. Yep. Uh the next <laughs> next piece of news to kind of come out here is um I don't know if you heard about this, Will, but there was a period of like a day or two where apparently people from the Bahamas were given special permission to withdraw their assets off of FTX. I saw that there was a huge rush by some of the whales on CT to yeah. get FTX insiders to KYC them so they can get their funds out. All the while, there's this whole bankruptcy case going on, so you yeah. think that would work against you. And it's probably not going to end up well for those people who actually did it. Yeah. Well, I think there was one, I, I forgot his name, who got like 2.5 mil out. Yeah, I... From what I understand, and I I didn't look into this too much because like obviously it's um breaking the law what they did, but uh of course a lot of the people weren't actually from the Bahamas. So there was apparently some kind of operation where um these large whales or maybe anyone who wanted to, I have no idea. They were buying the identities of people in the Bahamas and then KYCing on FTX as that person um, because FTX had made a statement that um, because of some kind of special law or some kind of special rule that we have here, we have to prioritize withdrawals for the local people here. And then basically the SEC of the of the Bahamas comes out and says like that's BS. You know, there was no rule that said that uh, you had to uh, you had to prioritize the withdrawals um, of people who live here. But you know why they did that, right? Like when basically, I think the Bahamas have kind of a like if. It, it, First it, of all, yeah, I, I know where you're getting to. Yeah. It's uh, it's very ironic when the SEC of a country that is known to harbor tax evasion and you know have people outside the country you know park their money and get away from taxes says that something is messed up. Yeah, well, I I think the I think the main point here is that like perhaps the people who worked at FTX was able to get. Bahama, like a residency or something, right? So mm -hmm. they would. So now, then they say that okay, we are prioritizing withdrawals for the residents of the Bahamas because we have to because the government said so, which 
makes it possible for perhaps insiders of FTX who are local there to get their money out, um, which which is weird because <laughs> like then the SEC comes out and says, yeah, F FTX basically made up that rule. There, there is no rule um, that says that you have to prioritize the withdrawals of like the local people. So, well, weren't they? <laughs> weren't there like a group of insiders who were uh, essentially charging a certain fee to get these accounts? Yeah, I guess? apparently there there were insiders, and again, all all of this stuff is like. I don't know if there's a way that you can prove any of this happened, right? But people were well, saying yeah. like there were insiders at FTX who were charging like a hundred grand to um, KYC onto the platform as a person who lives in the Bahamas because there was this special rule for people who live in the Bahamas, which turned out the rule didn't exist. <laughs> They just wanted to make money while they can. I think they wanted to make some money and they also wanted to get their money out and they wanted to make it seem like it was a government rule. Hoping that the government wouldn't catch it. But they did. So, there's that. So, now we end up to Sam trolling Twitter. Yep. Uh, so on November 14th, uh, SBF tweeted after not tweeting for a while, he just tweeted one parentheses, uh, what? So strategy. Yeah. So like once he did this, uh, he tweeted another tweet that says two, you know, so the next part of the thread two parentheses H. Just a capital H. So there were a lot of people talking about like, oh my god, what is he doing? Like, is this a dead man switch? Or is this like, he's trying to communicate in secret with someone who might know what this cryptic code means? And like, because it's just so random. Like, you lose billions of your customers' money and then you just tweet out what an H? So like some people also thought it could be uh, the beginning of a 12 word seed phrase because uh, what is actually one of the um, pop possible words that uh, can be in a BIP 39, um, you know, the, the 12 word seed phrase. So it's one, it's one of those words in there. So people were like, eh, is this like, like, is he trying to, to like tweet out a private key to to some kind of wallet like and then he does this thing where uh he's tweeting out letter by letter and it eventually spells out after two days it spells out what happened uh and then since then he's just been adding to the thread about like his take on what happened uh but the whole thing just seems like really drawn out and there were some people who were speculating he was trying to delete old tweets and replacing the old tweets with these new tweets. Because there's like people who track the number of tweets that, that he makes. 
And apparently, if you delete an old tweet, so let's say he had 20,000 tweets before, if you delete an old tweet, then he would have 19,999. And then if you add a new tweet within less than a minute, uh, the system, like, the count only refreshes like once a minute, apparently. So um, people have these kinds of bots and scripts that they use to track his tweets. You know, he's a pretty well-known guy. And when he deletes something, people want to know about it. So people thought this might be a way for him to, you know, spell out happened, which how many letters are there? H-A-P-P-E-N-E-D. You know, there's eight. So I was like, is is he trying trying to delete eight of his old tweets and to keep the same number so it doesn't trigger any bots or something? Like, pe- people were trying to come up with a lot of, of different things. I I don't think we'll ever understand um, why he did it this way. In the New York Times post that came out after this, uh, the the journalist basically asked him why he did this and he's just like, oh, I thought it was going to be fun. Like, dude, you just lost like $8 billion and you're here talking about like making jokes that this is going to be fun. Like fun for, <laughs> fun for yeah. who? It's kind of funny too because you're getting mixed answers uh, from that article. You know, he said he thought it was going to be fun. Somebody else posted a uh, insider screenshot within the FTX Slack, and one of the employees was literally saying, "Why is Sam trolling us on Twitter as though this isn't a, ser- a serious situation?" And he's like, "I'm sorry, maybe it's wrong. I took this approach because something needed to break through the mob mentality, but I'll likely be more straightforward going forward." So. Yeah, like that just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like this this thread was him trying to explain things like like I get making a thread that, you know, you're trying to tell your side of the story. Like that's that's okay to me. But to do it in this way where where obviously if if you tweet it out like this, people people are going to be very anxious, right? Like, there's a lot of people out there who's watching um, your tweets for any sign of, oh, maybe I'll be able to get my money back. And then they just see you tweeting, like, letter by letter, like it's some kind of big joke. It's just really bad taste. Like, it... It makes me feel like his mind must be very screwed up to 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 be able to do something like this. And in the New York Times post, or or uh, it might have been the Vox post, um, he was also talking about how like Gary Wang is very scared right now. You know, as he should be. Like, if he's a real person, <laughs> like as he should be. You know, he's very scared. And then the other guy, Nishad. Uh, which which I do believe is is a real person because there's pictures of him and stuff. Um, like Sam said that he was very uh, guilty and 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 anxious and ashamed. Which again, you know, are three emotions that you would expect. Um, but when talking about himself, 
you know, he was still saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sleeping at night just fine. And he's talking about how he was playing some games to kind of chill a bit. And it's just like, dude, again, you lost like billions of dollars and you're, you're playing, like you're playing games and you're sleeping well at night. And <laughs> like, I just can't imagine like his frame of mind to be able to just deny like en like deny any of this you know it's 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 just really crazy by the way um i did find the video on uh someone who's talking about gary wang and why they were thrown off saying this is a fake person if you want to pull it up oh yeah okay let me pull this up I don't know if the sound is going to appear on the stream, but um, we'll include we'll include the link. Yeah, we can just drop it below. Yeah, yeah, let's drop it below. I'll add it to the show notes. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely a sign. I the the way he you know made that what happened thread it's definitely a sign of someone who's incapable of i would say determining between good and bad behavior oh yeah like I, it's textbook narcissism oh of course like it's a little even sociopathic to me yeah uh yeah so this this was the message that you were talking about will um this was the internal employee slack uh now someone asks why is Sam trolling on Twitter, <laughs> and then he says, "I'm sorry, maybe it's wrong. I took that approach because something needed to break through the mob mentality." So your and, your and solution he keeps going back, right? Yeah, he he keeps going back to not taking accountability. Oh yeah, saying words like "we" and you know, oh, there's this mob mentality. You know, it's the mob who's after us. You know, using "we" and "us." Oh yeah. It's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and and he's just like, oh, it's so cringe to to just see see this kind of message from him. But but he's very cringe, so it's a it's a, it's expected. Um, so that kind of brings us to where we are now, and there's been some news pieces that we'll probably talk more about in the next episode. Uh, once we've had time to like go through them and piece some things together, but we'll but we'll share them uh, in the show notes. There there was a post about new uh, uh, on the New York Times, and there was also a post on Vox, and these these posts are very interesting because New York Times and Vox are both um, I would call them traditional. Uh, mainstream kind of media media companies you know they're not really like a coin desk or uh a publication that's focused on the crypto space they're and, pretty serious publications yeah. oh yeah uh well serious as well 
in terms of the number of readers, maybe, but not right. the quality of the content, I would say. Serious uh, in yeah. terms of uh, audience and size. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess brand recognition. Uh, so the. And it's really interesting because FTX. So I would say that Coinbase uh, and FTX, at least in the States, are probably the two most recognizable um companies when it comes to the crypto space so like and they're at the opposite ends of the spectrum uh where ftx you know they were doing like the commercials with tom brady and larry david uh so they and they were like they named um was was it the arena in miami or was that another city? I feel like the FTX arena was for MLB baseball. Okay. Do you remember what city it was though? I want to say it was Miami. Okay. Like it it, it was like a major sports yeah. venue and they they were able to um rename it to the FTX arena and that was a whole big thing. So like Obviously, FTX, as you can conclude from these kinds of marketing tactics, they were trying to uh, to really target the mainstream people, you know. Um, and on the other side of the spectrum, you had Coinbase, who who plays it very safe, um, at least compared to FTX. So when there's a bad thing that happens you would expect a mainstream media company like the New York Times to be critical of the company that has done a lot of damage, right? So in the past, these kinds of mainstream companies have, um, have written several pieces about Coinbase and Brian Armstrong specifically, like, which presented him in, in a bad light. Uh, while at the same time, Coinbase is one of the most conservative companies in the space in terms of keeping their customers safe. At the same time, you have the New York Times presenting Sam Bankman Freed in a good light, while FTX literally just lost $8 billion of their customers' funds. And, he's in the, in, and he doesn't even live in the States. And he like he fled somewhere where he can avoid um, basically the uh, regulatory aspects of the states. He joined but, Do Kwan. Yeah, but like when I read this piece, I was like, "This cannot be real." And you have to read this piece uh, if if you haven't yet. You know, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't read this piece, it makes. SBF look like the victim in this whole thing. Which is just completely crazy, especially uh, when you know that like the New York Times and companies that are like the New York Times, you know, so sort of like progressive, left-leaning kind of um, newspapers and websites, like they've been very critical of Brian Armstrong in the past, which like he's been one of the key 
people in crypto who has actually done done a lot to advance the space. And Coinbase hasn't like I I don't think they've ever been hacked. I don't think they've ever lost like the funds of their customers. And they're a, a publicly traded exchange. You know, they're on the stock market. So like they're very legitimate and it's just crazy that the New York Times comes out with this piece about how Sam Bankman-Fried's crypto empire collapsed. And it presents like like he like he's the victim. It's absolutely insane. I think it you know also paints a lot to this prevailing culture that we have um at least here in the states with uh two parties republican and democrats because sam was a huge democratic donor i think yeah. he was actually the second highest democrat donor to biden's presidency and it's also been leaked or it's also been uh, made publicly available that he has donated to a lot of publications as well mm -hmm. so it, it kind of shows you how you can control the narrative oh with yeah money yeah and it's like, just ridiculous to see these mainstream publications, you know, put out these puff pieces like this. Oh, yeah. There are a few others. And Brian Armstrong, actually, uh, it was just yesterday, he made a really good tweet uh, kind of talking about that situation. If you want to pull it up there, Brian. Yep. Twitter has broken just about every piece of this FTX story using blockchain analytics while new york times is writing puff pieces on a criminal feels like a turning point for citizen journalism and loss of trust in msm mainstream media good take retweet okay based <laughs> well like that's exactly it and when um when the new york times writes a piece about sam bankman free like this you have to think about what kind of deal went on in the background because the purpose of this piece is to shift the blame onto crypto. It's saying that crypto took advantage of Sam Bankman-Fried and caused this to happen. It's not saying Sam Bankman-Fried used crypto and caused this to happen. So when you have a mainstream publication who is now trying to inject this kind of blame onto the crypto space, Instead of onto Sam Bankman Freed, and you know that this piece is going to be read by a lot of people because, you know, the New York Times is one of the most popular newspapers and news sites in the world. So it's like you have this piece that comes out that presents this, the situation just in the wrong way. You know, it doesn't say anything about what happened on chain. It doesn't say anything about really the facts. Uh, what it does say a lot about is just basically SBF's feelings and his take on the situation, which, as we can see from his Twitter, basically all of his takes have been wrong. You know, even he was the one who said FTX US was 100% backed. Even something like that presented as a fact was actually wrong. So it's, uh, it's like, it, it makes you think what the bigger story at play here it is it seems like there's a there's some kind of effort to present the crypto space in a bad light um when at the same time you know sbf could have run this same kind of scheme without crypto 
Like if he got enough people to buy like uh, grapes or something, you know, like pump up the price of grapes. Let's take loans against grapes, you know? So what, are we going to be against grapes now? Or is it actually just this is a bad person who took advantage of a new technology, not the technology taking advantage of this new person? It's crazy. That, that's something in general, you know, which probably itself is for another podcast, but it uh, happens to be pervading uh, not just within crypto. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's that's what we want to cover about FTX today. Uh, for the next episode, we're going to be taking a closer look at this New York Times and Vox piece. And I guess that topic can more be like, what's the mainstream media response to this whole thing? Um, and like, I, I can't wait until you read all of this, this stuff where he's talking um, to the person at Vox. and. It's just like crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to yes. go over all of these <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. So just real quick, uh, before we sign off, we have a few rapid fire topics to 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 close things out. Um, Let's go. Did Did you hear about this Crypto.com thing, Will? I did not. I I heard about Crypto.com having, um rumors going on that they were insolvent yeah and there was an announcement made about that but yeah. i did not i did not hear about um yeah so or I, or I heard i heard about it but i didn't really look into it uh apparently they accidentally sent three hundred twenty thousand eth to gate.io yeah so gate.io is another exchange um and crypto.com this is from the CEO. Yeah, so this is the CEO, Chris. Uh, they accidentally sent 320000 not $327,000, 320000 ETH um, to gate.io uh, because they said uh, it was an accidental transfer because it was a whitelisted external exchange address. Um, and then they said new process and features were implemented to prevent this from happening again. So like, okay, guys, like you're just sending 320 ETH. Um, and like 320,000. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Three, 327,000 ETH and you send it to the wrong place by accident. Um, and it makes me lose faith in crypto.com. Not that I had any faith to start with, because I actually don't use it. Uh, I they, never. They made always an came off to be pretty, pretty sketchy too. Well, like they... well. Here. Okay. A few months ago, they also accidentally sent ten million dollars to someone. Oh, the story <laughs> unravels. So th this is not the first time it's happened. Is is the point? So, um, this woman apparently wanted a hundred dollar refund from crypto.com and they accidentally sent her 10.5 million uh and they actually didn't know for over six months that they sent this and in those six months she actually like bought a really nice house and and 
all this stuff. Yeah, she bought a $1 million five-bedroom house. Uh, so she did all this, and then, and then they found out like six or seven months later, and then they decided to sue her. Um, so, you know, like, I, I think she was in the wrong, you know, for accepting the $10 million. Like, obviously, that's not your money. But at the same time, it's like, why are you accidentally sending millions of dollars to people? Like, how does that happen by accident? Yeah, who knows? Um, kind of makes you question what else they're accidentally sending. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I'm sure these are not the only two. <laughs> uh, and yeah, there, there have been talk about um, Crypto.com perhaps also being insolvent or their financial health is not so great. Uh, it's just really interesting that all of these companies that have sponsored like sports venues, because there was also the Crypto.com sports venue that, that they licensed the, the rights to. Like all of these companies that focus hardcore on, on, on marketing and spent all their money on that, like they're blowing up now, uh, which I think is very interesting. The, the, yeah, there was actually a, um, a meme that the 10 largest advertisers during the Super Bowl, if you would have bet $1,000 to short against them, oh, yeah, I saw you'd that. be a billionaire. <laughs> And at the yeah. top was FTX and Crypto.com, I think, was pretty close. Ugh, should have done that, Will. Uh, Maybe this time around, come uh, February. Yeah, we'll try again. Um, yeah. So next one, uh, just real quick. Doquan appears on Up Only Podcast. Uh, so be before we talk a bit about this, so it's interesting. So Doquan is back. Suzu is also back. And Kyle Davies is also back. And Kyle and Suzu, of course, are the founders of the now defunct Three Arrows Capital. Um, so, like, the three villains from earlier this year, you know, and late last year, like, they're back. They're back because there's a new top bad guy, you know, right? like, now everyone hates SBF. So it means Dokon and Suzu and Kyle are no longer, you know, like the top bad guys, which means they can come back and they can uh, hopefully start their redemption arc. <laughs> so, um, if that's what we want to call it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so where did we see Do Kwan, Will? Oh my gosh. So I actually turned into this right when it happened. Oh yeah? Because we, we, we heard about the whole FTX news and the stuff going on with... Well, the Twitter beef with uh, CZ and SBF. And I was just watching this stream on Up Only. That's where it happened. You know, the usual hosts, there's Ledger, uh, Kobe, just at Kobe on Twitter. Yeah. And um, I think they had somebody from Winter, Winter Mule? Win Winter Mute? The Winter Maker? Mute. Yeah. Yeah. They had someone from Winter Mute on, and they were just kind of analyzing the whole situation. Yeah. And the stream just quickly turned into <laughs> all these criminals joining at the same time. <laughs> so you had Do Kwan come on, oh and then God. you had uh, Martin Shkreli. Yeah, yeah. I think the yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was. I he, he ran I a forgot pause what company TradeFi he, he did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he was like. He, he was a criminal. He actually served. Yeah, yeah, he actually served jail time. Yeah, 
but oh yeah it's he just was, uh, it's just crazy to me he was the founder of hedge funds and then um msmb healthcare and uh yeah he went to jail because uh, oh yeah he was the one who notoriously raised the price of some life-saving drug uh, yeah yeah yeah. From thirteen fifty per pill to seven hundred and fifty dollars. So that was that guy, um, and he was actually justifying why he did that on stream too. It was yeah, interesting. It, it was weird to see, but like, but yeah, like Do Kwan comes and then Martin's like, "Come on, Do, like jail's not that bad," and and Do's just like, "Don't know how to respond to that." And he, then at, he just laughs. Yeah. It's, and then at some point, Do Kwan's just like, oh, I have to go. And, and he just signs off. What was funny, too, is there was another um, person on the stream who, you know, right when Do joined, um, was like, Do, I don't like you. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he was just trolling uh, Do the whole time. Yeah. He's like, you're a, you're a scammer. Like, yeah. I have no well, care for you whatsoever. I don't think that he was trolling Do. I, I, I think he was like, being real like yeah yeah maybe he's trolling maybe trolling isn't the right word but he was just I guess, calling him, him out shit. you know yeah. like i don't think i would pretend to like like do Kwan if we were on a stream together you know like right. he messed up a lot of people's lives and he knew what he was doing um so along the same lines uh su suzu is back um and it's <laughs> so he hasn't tweeted for for months now uh he was basically off the grid no one knew where he was uh some people his think his last tweet yeah, was it was about bankruptcy dubai right or something maybe yeah I, I feel like all these people just kind of get together you know they're on the run doe suzu they have oh, to have like yeah. some little meetup spot, I'm whether sure. it's in Dubai or, or like, what. Whether it's in the real world or if it's like a virtual thing, you know, like just yeah. kind of some chat, they're definitely talking to each other. Um, and so Su Suzu, uh, for his redemption arc, uh, he is apparently uh, deep into spirituality now. Um, so he he put out this this thread uh there i was so this came out of nowhere like no context at all he didn't tweet for a few months and then he tweeted this there i was surfing the wave of waves next moment wiped out board broken rocks reefs everywhere the sudden pain of business failure and loss of purpose as a golden child of the industry plus biz cycle more broadly was as difficult as the ensuing ostracization and demonization um and then at the end of this, this tweet he says so what have i been doing as if people were actually asking uh he says catching up with long lost friends redeveloping spirituality mental health highly recommend sam harris's waking up app <laughs> surfing learning new languages praying for those who got hurt with me those who want to hurt me and those hurting in general. What's next? I don't know for sure. Part of me wants to live a quiet life in the woods. Another wants to rebuild with fresh purpose. We'll share more thoughts and musings going forward. I've missed you all. <laughs> and then he changes his Twitter bio to this 
phrase from the Bible uh, when before it said like, you know, it listed all the coins that he's in and like the CEO of um, 3AC, you know, it's just like this attempt at rebranding himself, you know, like I found God, I'm back here to do good. It's ah, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And just the last thing, um, Kyle Davies is also back and we got this tip from Mike Dudas that uh, they're suddenly reappeared into the scene trying to whitewash their fraudulent past. It's because they're allegedly trying to raise a new fund. So um, maybe we will have a four, four arrows capital soon um, now that three arrows is done. Uh, so be on the lookout for perhaps a new hedge fund from, uh, from Suzu and our friend Kyle Davies. Uh, we'll we'll I'll be interested. One Doge, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. All right, so that's it for today. Um, we'll be back perhaps next week. We're still trying to figure out what the ideal schedule for this podcast is, but uh, perhaps next week we will be back with the, with another episode um, talking about the New York Times article and the Vox article on Sam Beckman Freed. And anything that comes out over the next week or so, you know, there's also rumors about liquidity issues on Genesis Crypto, um, very big lender in the space. So, yeah, we heard about that today. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. And, you know, if it affects uh, D DCG, uh, Digital Currency Group, you know, huge. Uh, they're the issuers of GBTC uh, and that whole thing. So hope it doesn't affect them, but yeah, we'll keep our eyes on it. Uh, anything else you want to say, Will, before we head off? No, I I imagine, you know, from these pub pieces and stuff, it's really going to be a lot of fallout. Yeah. And I think if, you know, we can hammer any point to our audience, it's to definitely focus on self-custody. Yep. You know, secure your own coins, get them off exchanges, buy a ledger, put it in cold storage, and just simply do not trust anyone but yourself. Yes. I think after this SBF thing um, blows over, the first episode that we should really do is like talking about what decentralization means, you know, the importance of self-custody. And and especially now, there's like new trading platforms like uh, DYDX and GMX. You know they they offer um, pretty liquid trading markets uh, on chain. So the the need for centralized exchanges uh, for anything other than onboarding like the U.S. dollar um, into the crypto space is like. It gets less and less uh, every single day now. So yeah, we'll be sure to do an episode on um, the importance of responsibility. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. And we'll be back with another episode next week.